Price over my Love over him Podcast, a political podcast by Tenement Yard Media, right? Um, you can check out our historical podcast, lest you forget. Yeah, and visit our website, please. It's a great website, and all the notes to this episode to like find more information on what we're talking about is on the website. So even if you don't know, just go over the website. Yeah, please go over the website. And while they're on the website, you know, you can always donate, like scroll down to the bottom of the page, you see the donation. We will appreciate that, right? But welcome, welcome another episode, right? Highly anticipated episode. I am Davy. Um, this episode is kind of dear to my heart, you know. Um, this is about the Saint Kitts and Nevis Monkey Task Force. Um, came across this, like I'm a, I'm one of those persons. Like I spend my weekend, and like, my weekend is just like one day, cause all I do is like lay in bed <laughs> and do homework and watch news from all over the region like literally that's just my relaxation and in december i was watching listen i would i want what's it say? i don't I, i'm not i'm not going to like and be like oh it's specifically saying it's news because yeah news come from all over the region really and there i was and they're talking about the monkeys and they're going to shoot the monkeys and i'm like what is going on is he in and is like i was so perplexed very excited to like do more research into this. Told my friends they weren't interested because my fr- all my friends are just yeah, they're just not interested in any of the fun things that I believe are fun. And I made a tweet on Twitter, a whole thread on Twitter, and kind of went kind of blew up. So, I mean, when Checkmate decides to come back, I was like, Yo, what for talk about the monkey? They have somebody put a girl for come talk about the monkey because something not right. <laughs> so yeah that's the episode we're gonna get some more in the details i know people have been begging for updates so we're gonna we're gonna do it that you understand how you know care care so on the line i have dr kerry door right and she is a biological anthropologist with expertise in human primate conflict and ethnoprimatology which is a research area focused on the interface between humans and non-humans primates. Um, her research on Caribbean green monkeys include extensive methods in primatology, ethnography, and geographic information systems, GIS, which is like my favorite thing. Like, <laughs> so we know we're going to get along great together. In December 2019, she earned her PhD from the University of Wisconsin, Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Her dissertation was... <clears throat> Let's go. An anthropological investigation in the dynamic human vervet monkey and the interface in St. Kitts and West Indies. Monago, Monago really like read out the, the thing, the thing, the the scientific name. She can't do that. I'm not going to it. But yeah. And Dr. Dora currently, she is a national coordinator and research assistant for the Invasive Alien Species Project in St. Kitts and Nevis. So she's up on the ground, you see? So, yeah, so Dr. Doer can just go ahead and introduce herself to our listeners. Hi, Davey. 
It's good afternoon here. Thank you for, I was laughing to myself, even though I was muted. Um, it's a lot of big words that I put on my website to try to make myself look fancy. But yes, I am a biological anthropologist. I'm kind of a cultural anthropologist too, because I'm really interested in people and the way that they understand monkeys and St. Kitts and Nevis. But I am, my degree is in biological anthropology, which is human evolution and primates as our closest living relatives fall in humans evolutionary history so that's where primatology falls so that's my experience and my research has been completely focused on St. Kitts and Nevis since 2010 and I did my dissertation field work here from 2010 to 2011 and then moved to the states the U.S. for seven years and had two kids and I have a partner a husband as well and we collectively decided to leave, which was very timely considering the state of the world right now. We have been in a COVID-free, mostly COVID-free St. Kitts and Nevis for two and a half years now. All right, cool, schools, schools, understand, understand. So you're underground, get it. All right, so um, <laughs> a lot of things are going over the Eastern, the Eastern Caribbean. Um, we did couple episodes back on the current volcano that's happening in St. Vincent and the Grenadines. You guys can go ahead and listen to that with the head of um, UV Seismic um, Research Center, um, Dr. Richard Robertson. So, and then you have you. We're going to talk about the monkeys, right? So the first thing I want to go into is like, tell us exactly like what are the monkeys? Like the green, ver- like, no, is the vervet monkeys? Because I know the vervet is like a little French-ish. No little things. So it's kind of funny. If you look at some of my, like my dissertation and some of my early publications, I use the term vervet monkey. But in the last year, two years, they've actually become their own species. So they used to be, the monkeys in St. Kitts and Nevis used to be a subspecies of vervet monkey. And the scientific name, by the way, is Chlorocebus atheops sabaeus. Actually, no, it's Chlorocebus sabaeus now. It used to be Chlorocebus atheops sabaeus. Chlorocebus atheops is the vervet monkey. So now it's its own species, sabaeus, and thus they are the green monkey. So they're no longer technically the vervet monkey. They're the African green monkey. All right, cool. Love for that clear. So can just go into details like how they differ from like the the original vervet monkeys, I guess, like the different sure. them. Yes. So these animals came to St. Kitts and Nevis as well as Barbados in the 1600s as a basically a byproduct of the transatlantic slave trade and just general trade route between West Africa and the Caribbean, which I'm sure you write a lot about, as I've seen on some of your on your website that has had some serious repercussions over the years. One of the many is that we now have a very large population of these monkeys on all three of those islands. So we don't know exactly who brought them over, or exactly how often, or exactly the nature, but we know that the French and the English were both coming to St. Kitts a lot in the 1600s, and the monkeys were likely pets, kind of status symbols, just kind of curious creatures. I've heard all kinds of rumors about other reasons why they were brought, like to make slaves feel like they were at home, which is ridiculous, or um, I've also heard that they they set them free on purpose to compete with escaped slaves for food. There's all kinds of crazy stories that I've heard, but regardless of exactly how they got here, we know that they came 
even if they came on one out of every 25 ships, that would still be hundreds of animals that were transported to this region. And with all the battles between the French and the English and hurricanes, etc., it's just assumed that that those disasters led to the animals becoming free and reproducing in the wild. And as they have no natural predators here, the population size has grown. Although I'd like to give some historical context about how the problem is much worse now than it used to be. Would this be a good time to explain that? Okay. So for, for hundreds of years, when St. Kitts and Nevis was covered in sugar cane, the monkeys were here and they were always a pest. They'd been recorded as a pest yeah, since the 1700s. In the 1600s, they were a pest in Barbados. There was a bounty for these monkeys in the 1600s in Barbados. But what I've learned in the last 10 years here interviewing hundreds of people is that the monkeys really never were a huge problem until we left the sugar industry in 2005. In, in Nevis, Nevis left the sugar industry much earlier in the 1940s. They had other crops and stuff, the cotton that they were growing. If you talk to Nevisians, their major shift in monkey movement patterns was Hurricane Hugo, I believe, in the in the 90s. And after that time, they said a lot of the fruit trees in the forest were destroyed. And so they started seeing monkeys in the lowlands interacting with people at much higher levels. In St. Kitts, it's the closure of the sugar industry. So our monkeys here were mostly confined to our central forest and southeast peninsula for the entirety of the sugar industry. And then after the sugar industry closed with all of the activity and the people and the tractors and each estate had a ranger, which would kill any animals that were coming into the cane. So a lot of the monkeys were killed. So they did essentially have predators. That was the human rangers for hundreds of years. But since 2005, all of that infrastructure has gone away. And most petitions will explain to you that it's really only since 2005 that they've seen the monkeys coming down out of the forest into the agricultural apron and all the way down to the villages and to the seashore. All right, understand. All right, so I understand you said that, you know, they're pissed, get a party. But, I mean, at becoming a problem, but from what I've read is that they also contributed to the economy, and that's true. Tourism and other ways. Can you go into detail, like, why, like, nobody, like, really, like, took it serious in the beginning because of the whole, the benefit, the economical benefit that they had? Like, can I speak about that? Sure. I, I wouldn't know. I don't know that there's a cause and effect there necessarily. I don't know that because they have some economic benefits that that's why the problem has reached the state that it's at right now. Mm-hmm. The country really, I would say, it took a couple of years after the closure of sugar before the tourism industry really took off. But I do know, and some of the research that I've published speaks specifically to the tourism industry and the way that it has exacerbated the monkey issue. There's a couple of reasons why. I mean, yes, there are some serious economic benefits. So first, they, my current project, the Invasive Alien Species Project, we're looking at us actually trying to assess the uh, economic value of the monkeys to tourism. Because right now we don't really know. They are cute and cuddly and people love them and there's not a lot of islands that have them. So they're unique and they're very commonly used in tourism marketing, videos, flyers, 
posters, murals, taxis, and the airport gift shop. So they're definitely capitalized upon. And we know that they're a draw, but how many people actually come here because the monkeys are here? We're trying to get an idea of that. And um, there's a new practice that has started happening with the huge tourism industry via cruise ships. And that is the practice of taking baby monkeys and putting them on cruise ship passengers and charging money for a photo. I have my, my reservations about the safety of that practice, but it is a way that people here generate income from the monkeys. So, and as you um, alluded to in, I think in your Twitter post and to our earlier conversations there, they have been a value to our um, human health for, for decades. So starting in the seventies, they've been used in research and most of the research is on human human health and human behavioral issues. So there, there are three biomedical research facilities here, the first of which the Behavioral Science Foundation was founded in the 70s. So if you got a polio vaccine in the 70s or 80s, there's a very high likelihood that that vaccine was created through the use of Caribbean green monkeys. So they, and their research is ongoing on all kinds of issues, Alzheimer's, spinal cord regeneration, macular degeneration, alcoholism, as you also alluded to in your Twitter post. So they are certainly benefiting human health because of their presence here. Mm-hmm. I understand. So you say the alcohol, alcohol listen, them drink liquor. <laughs> them drink liquor. Okay. So um, the whole drunk monkey status that the same kids monkeys have, right? <laughs> What's going on with that? Because like, that doesn't sound safe to neither humans or to them. I think that was the part that really catch him. I'm like, why are they drunk? <laughs> uh, they drunk. So, yeah. I just, I wanted to finish my thought from the previous question. I didn't actually get to do that. And then I'll address mm-hmm. that. I just want to say that, that the tourism factor definitely exacerbates the issue here. And that is because due to the fact that they are a draw and the tourists like them, the farmers, specifically the agricultural community in St. Kitts and Nevis is extremely frustrated at the fact that tourists and foreign perspectives on the monkeys seem to be taking more priority than their own. So these are people who have relatively little agency because St. Kitts specifically, um, most of the farmers don't own their land because it used to be sugar land and the government now owns it. And so they're fighting for their crops because of the monkeys. And then on top of that, they have people saying, you know, well, tourists love them or we can't be we can't be treating them badly because that makes us look bad. And that essentially sends the message to farmers that they're not as valuable as tourists, some of whom are only here for a day and don't understand the context of the issue. So I wanted to speak that because I have been working with the agricultural community for 10 years and I feel very strongly about advocating for them and the issues that they face every day. But as for their junk status, so the Behavioral Science Foundation has been doing research for decades on the fact that these some of these monkeys are drunks, 100%. So what they do, and they allude to that, and that there's a BBC video, Drunk Monkeys of St. Kitts, that so many people have seen. It's, yes, super outdated. Yeah, it's super outdated now. The beach where that all went down is no longer, I mean, the beach is still there, but there's no longer a bar there. There's It's not popular at all. No one really goes there. That troop of monkeys is not there. But what we do know is that they, there is a similar percentage of alcoholic green monkeys as there are to alcoholic human beings. So it's about 17%. 
And we know this because what we do is we take animals, wild animals, well, not we, but the biomedical facility will take animals from kept from the wild and they are group housed. They're socially housed together at these facilities, but for periods of time, they're individually housed. And what they do is they're given access to either pure alcohol, which doesn't have any sugar in it, super nasty tasting or water and they just get to drink what they want so there's no there's no forced consumption of alcohol anything like that and what they find is some of the monkeys completely abstain from the booze some of them are like yeah maybe try it and you know and then there's others that are just will drink it to the point where they completely pass out so and what we're finding is that those percentages are similar so that's alcoholism is an incredibly complex disease and uh, we know that there's a genetic component to it but um we don't really understand the complexities of that. So there's a human geneticist that is doing this work, Dr. Roberta Palmore from McGill, who is very interested in understanding what these animals can tell us about alcoholism in human beings. So it's very likely that because these animals were consuming fermented sugarcane for hundreds of years, that there's essentially a tolerance for alcoholism higher than we would see in some other animal populations. Mm-hmm. I understand. So, um, you, I know you spoke about the, um, I know you spoke about the, the effect that they have on the agriculture, um, community, but can you go into like more details about some of the other problems that the monkeys have caused the rapid population of monkeys under, and both, um, island, well, in the country really, cause I'm, I'm sure St. Kitts have like so a couple other islands besides Nevis. So can you speak about the other problems that the country is facing because of the monkeys? Like Sure. Um, the Federation of St. Kitts and Nevis is just the two islands. And I've been working in St. Kitts for 10 and back and forth from Nevis. But I really am just this year starting to really spend a lot of time in Nevis and understand the complexities of the issue there. But yes, so to my point, they cause extensive crop losses on both islands. And I'm in the process of redoing the study I did from 10 years ago and working with economists to actually get a dollar value of the amount of EC, Eastern Caribbean dollars that the country loses annually to monkeys. So we've randomly selected 65 farms in St. Kitts and 45 farms and gardens in Nevis. And that's because Nevisians have much higher rates of land ownership. So there's a huge gardening population with big backyard gardens and lots of food production. So that should get us a better idea of exactly how the monkeys are impacting agriculture We know that on both islands, it's not just farms, it's people's backyards. So people just have fruit trees or fruit trees in the ravines. We call them guts. In the guts on both islands, there's just fruit trees that people can't get any food from and they're fed up. This is a huge resource to people that that they're used to having that the monkeys are now taking. What we're also trying to look at is the monkeys' impact on biodiversity. So we know that they're I mean, I find the term invasive species actually incredibly complex, especially considering I run an invasive species project. But because I'm an anthropologist, I'm very critical of all of these designations. And when something becomes invasive or part of ecology is very tricky to assess. We know the animals have been here for 400 years. So they have an invasive status, but it's a very complex issue. But we know they're not from here. We know they don't have natural predators. And what does that mean for the ecology? So how is their consumption of local plants impacting the island's economy or ecology? And how is their, their consumption of birds, for example, impacting our ecology? So 
We've done extensive camera trap work where we've, I, I brought a Caribbean ecologist, Kiva Lindsay, who's from Antigua, lives in New York, incredibly knowledgeable of Caribbean ecology. He did a lot of our biodiversity surveys with a team of other experts. And they have said that over the time they've been working in St. Kitts and Nevis, they're seeing some serious patterns of plant change that they, they think may be because of the monkey's presence. So we're trying to understand, you know, what they're eating and how it might be impacting their ecology. So for example, we have some invasive plants here. Are the monkeys eating the plants, eating their seeds and pooping out the seeds and thus helping to spread invasive plants? We think this is very likely and we're trying to document it. So I'm following a troop of monkeys up at a resort called Kittishan Hill, which doesn't have any people at it now, is prime monkey territory and they put a lot of fruit trees and a lot of edible plants right in monkey territory so it's an incredibly fascinating place to work so i'm studying them for 20 hours a a month every month for a year and we're documenting everything that they're eating we're going to be taking fecal samples and planting it and also sifting through for seeds to see the kind of seeds that they're eating and their their um, dispersal of invasive plants and we're also looking at their impact on birds eggs so we have two studies on nevis peak and mount Lyamiga here in st kitts where we're um four times during the year we're placing real quail eggs in fake nests um, at set distances along each trail and we have them at random locations and random heights and we put a camera trap on every nest and we're assessing how which invasive species take the eggs so it was originally designed as a, a study to look at monkeys consumption of eggs and what we're finding is that rats and mongoose thus far have taken all of the eggs so perhaps this is seasonal and that's why we're doing it over the course of the year but these are some of the ways that we're trying to understand how the animals are impacting the biodiversity of the islands as well mm-hmm. all right so i know that also trouble people understand you hear stories that your monkey go into communities and them start fling things off of people, <laughs> them start teeth. Like, and everybody's in best life, basically, right? Someone get a party. Like, you know about that part that they really have ventured into suburban areas, into St. Kitts. Yeah, and I do them thing. And I do them thing. But what I want to get to is what, what are some of the solutions over the years that has been done to, like, control... The, 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 the monkey species like yeah that's basically yeah sure well as i explained the the history of managing the monkey population has been through shooting just because of the sugar industry but i think now because we're a tourism economy there's some sensitivity to that um wait people... wait, wait 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 pause like sorry what you said sh- so the shooting that went on in december is this not a first time thing it was going on before like it happened before well, so they were shooting the monkeys for hundreds of years during the sugar industry. As I explained, they had they had rangers associated with every estate, and those rangers would shoot any animals that would come into the sugar cane. So roaming livestock, monkeys, anything like that. That makes so, sense. That yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Right. So that's so that's something that has that we know worked, but I think because we're in a tourism economy now, there's a lot of sensitivity around shooting. Um, other things that farmers have done include trapping, um, as we know, the biomedical facilities exist. And so there's a market for monkeys to be used in biomedical research. So there is an extensive trapping network of trappers and traps around the island that are used to control the population, take them out of the wild population. 
farmers do all kinds of things. They put weird smelling things. They put sounds. They put, um, you know, both things that will make noise in the wind, like plastic and stuff. And they've also used some of those sound repelling things that put a high pitch frequency that have, they, most of the things they use statues or scarecrows, most of these things will work, but just for a limited period of time. Farmers will kill monkeys and put dead monkeys on their farms and hang them as a deterrent. I've seen oh all God, kinds of things. That's so cool. Yeah, it's nasty. Um, <laughs> so, and then, you know, people in who are on their farms all the time will use dogs. They'll chase them away physically. But all of that seems unsustainable. Um, other techniques, a lot of people will say, why don't you sterilize all of them? And I think that that might have even been a comment in your Twitter feed. And I'd like to say that that is something we very much are interested in doing. I've been collaborating with the local veterinary school, Ross University School of Veterinary Medicine. And we've actually tested a couple of techniques to sterilize the monkeys, and they have not worked successfully. They're, you know, sterilizing a female monkey requires trapping it, taking it out of the population, performing a major surgery, keeping it housed for a while so that it can recover, and then hoping you put it back in the wild and it regrows into its group. And many will argue, if this is a pest, then why are you spending all of that money and then putting it back into the wild? There's all kinds of perspectives on the value or not value of, of that practice, but that is something that um, is definitely being considered as part of an overall management strategy is to include sterilization. And I actually think that sterilization would be an incredibly um, informative and useful technique to do in some of the high tourist areas just to show if we had traps that always had food in them, tourists can come and they can see the monkeys and we keep the whole troop sterile so that we know they're not reproducing due to that extra food. And it's a way that people can see animals and understand the complexities of what's happening here. Um, but then, you know, we try other things like protecting farms with electric fences. So Nevis, because they own a lot more of their land, has extensive electric fencing and it works quite well. You know, you have to maintain it. It's a cost up front. You have to clean your fence all the time. You have to make sure there's no trees that go over the fence because the monkeys will just jump in. So it's not super simple, but it is a way to keep the monkeys out. So those are some of the major strategies that um, have been tried thus far. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to get into something, right? Because, like, yes, you know, like, honestly, I, I, I don't eat much. You understand? I eat like once a day. I'm not, I'm not an eater. I'm not, I'm not a drip for the rest of my life. Me eat up on a drip for the rest of my life. I'm, I just don't eat. <laughs> like, it's more a necessity than enjoyment. And <laughs> Jamaica have, you know, some, some weird food. You know, some manish water, which is good. It and belly, like, that's a delicacy for us. Tribe delicacy for us. Um, It get weirder. get very weirder the deeper you go into the island. But it's like, Apparently, there was, you can confirm this, you know, you understand, mm -hmm. in the country, you can confirm this, that there are persons who eat the monkeys and that has been encouraged to control the population. Now, can you just, like, set the record straight about that particular, that particular, I wouldn't say proposal, but that particular <laughs> practice, really? Yes, so... Like the history of shooting monkeys, there's a very long history of eating monkeys here. I think you might have saw, they call it tree mutton. Yes, tree mutton. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's still very much happening here. Um, I found in my research that because people are seeing monkeys, living monkeys, moving around, breathing, caring for their young, playing outsmarting you a lot of petitions and divisions have 
stopped eating monkey because they recognize their human-like qualities. There is an understanding of their similarity to humans and the fact that you can more easily catch diseases from eating monkey than eating other animals, which is very true. So I don't advocate for anything. I also don't judge people for what they eat. I think people need to be in, well informed of the risks of eating whatever it is that they're eating. Um, any sort of extensive use of the monkeys for food here would have to be incredibly well monitored by trained professionals, veterinarians, health experts to ensure the safety of the meat. Is it something I would eat? No, but I think I think that in many ways, these animals are like other small game, like rabbits and stuff in other places, but there is an absolute higher disease risk of eating monkey. And thus there's, there's rightful concern on the part of many health officials about eating monkeys. So it, like most things, it's, it's not black and white, but people do eat monkeys. Um, they'll have agricultural open day or food fairs or churches will have food fairs and there's almost always monkeys there for people to eat all right get to get to me what's over for you jamaicans you can't judge nobody over here eat goat brain like it is well, what it is yeah. mm-hmm. and listen so the, the the thing here is that when you get money show water you just close your eyes and swallow like you know really you know you look down in a cup when you get it you just eat up <laughs> Let's eat. Right. So, right. so and, um, one of the things that I've worked upon is that um, because of the tourism industry and the littering that happens with tourists, um, I mean, these monkeys have become like, like in other areas because of littering, like the food is there and that mm-hmm. has caused the population to like, you know, continues to grow because I mean, the, the accessible food, right? But one of the things... I also came across is that the impact that coronavirus have had on the population. So because of coronavirus, you know, a lot of tourism industry have been stalled, but it's like the monkey population has now like outgrown the human population, especially (laughs) on the island of St. Kitts. So can you go into details of how the impact of coronavirus on your research and on the monkey population? Sure. So for starters, I am doing a population estimate that I'm hoping to publish shortly with two colleagues, Krista Gallagher from Ross and Aileen Mill from Newcastle University in the UK. We tracked monkeys all over St. Kitts and Nevis over a three or four year period to understand their ranges. And we used trappers to look at the troop sizes. And with that data, we're going to show that there's about 45, 30 to 45,000 monkeys in St. Kitts alone. So probably up to 60,000 monkeys on both islands. So it's not quite the human population, but nonetheless, we're talking about 100 square miles for both islands. So it is an incredibly high population of monkeys. In terms of coronavirus, as I said earlier, St. Kitts and Nevis has been incredibly blessed, probably because of our size and isolation and ability to just shut uh, everybody from coming in. But we have had no coronavirus in the population other than very early on and it was contained and all of our other cases have been in people that have come in and been in quarantine so coronavirus has stalled some of my research activities and my ability to travel to nevis etc but we really haven't seen coronavirus impact um, our population too much of monkeys or of people But that said, these animals are being used for vaccine testing in the United States. And as 
part of that process, they are given COVID so that we can then test the vaccine on them or that they can then best test the vaccine on them. So we know that these monkeys can get coronavirus. Now, well, we have we pause. Mm-hmm. We have mm-hmm. planetary apes. Planetary apes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That, that is very new information. Okay. Yeah. All right. Whoa. It's, an, okay. it's, important, <laughs> it's important to know. It's, it's something that's obviously concerning, but it's also important to note that there's a difference between giving the monkeys coronavirus on purpose in a lab and they're contracting it, you know, in the wild or the free-ranging population. We don't know how easily they can catch it in a, in this natural environment of the islands. So, like Barbados, for example, though, just had a huge spike in COVID cases, and they're, you know, they've got lockdown reintroduced again just recently, and they have a big population of monkeys. So it's something the same monkeys, right? So it's something that very much needs to be on people's radar, and especially people who own pet monkeys and interact with them on a regular basis, right? Yeah. Whoa, yeah. Like, this is like the first installment of Planet of the Apes. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, like, like I literally watched back in December, man. I went on a whole marathon. You understand? I was trying to understand Caesar. I was here. Mm-hmm. I'm like jam parallels and woof. All right, all right. So, um, has any of your research comes up that the population of monkeys have increased through a coronavirus, or you can't speak on that? I don't think coronavirus has impacted the population of monkeys at all. I think the population size has grown merely because I know that we used to kill a lot of monkeys during the sugar industry and we're no longer doing that. So just that fact alone makes Mm -hmm. me think that the population size would increase, but we don't actually have data on their population size over time. All right. Understand. All right. So, all right. All right. Whoa, a lot. (laughs) Really a lot. So... (laughs) And, all right, so one of the things, you know, because I think I made a third early in December, right? I know it was your own finals because <laughs> a professor reached out as to why I'm spending so much time on Twitter when I have class. Ah. <laughs> this, is I block them. this is really why I block them. Like, don't follow me. Um, But one of my questions is, I know the shooting. They had a shooting um, in early in December, you know, in the morning, you know, persons were like, yo, get your guns, let's go. We're going to, like, anything we draw from tree with a tail, you know, we're just going to shut down target practice. So, what, can you get an update on how that shooting went? Because, like, yeah, I, I, just, I just want an update. Like, everybody wants an update. And I'm like, yo, I now provide an update because I'm not really officially part right? <laughs> Can you, like, provide an update on how that shooting went? So to my knowledge, and this is not really communicated with me, but to my knowledge, that did not actually go down. In the end, they didn't feel like there was enough communication, enough time given to people in the area to make sure that it was a safe thing to do. That is what I understand. So as far as I know, that didn't happen. (laughs) But so I should speak to the fact that the Invasive Alien Species Initiative has this research going on, and there's a separate fund that was um that the government got it was a a capital project through the government that they got for monkey control so that is that's that's so and no and it's actually not the monkey task force either it's really complicated the monkey task force is something that started i pulled up this information it started officially in 1995 um but then it kind of went out of service for a while and then restarted in 2011, right around the time that I was doing my research. 
And it was really collaboration between government officials, veterinary experts, people like me, primatologists, um, people from tourism and hotels, just to get together and talk about the monkey issues and to come up with different management strategies. For better or for worse, since my project came on, the task force hasn't really met again. Uh, I'm regularly in contact with all of those parties that I just mentioned, um, but they kind of have shifted the, I don't know, they just kind of let the Invasive Alien Species Project kind of take over the monkey uh, I don't know what you would call it. I guess the kind of steering committees and the, the conversations around monkey management have kind of shifted over towards the steering committee for the Invasive Alien Species Project. And then separately, some members from agriculture would be part of this capital project, but it is not associated with the Invasive Alien Species Project, nor is the task force per se. The task force is just something that was like a subgroup of um, the Ministry of Agriculture. Okay, I understand. I can tell you this. There's probably a task force in every island. It's like, I hate word too, but I hate it. Like, they, they just love it. Task force. And I'm like, no. Call it something else. We don't care when they call it, but call it something else. Um, I, yeah. say this. Um, I remember, like, asking somebody, and they, like, giving me numbers of how many monkeys got shot. And, I, like, it, it, it never sound believable. It never sound believable. Because, like... I heard, like, they were telling me that, yo, exact, this amount of people, like, 100 people went to shoot, right? But that, like, mm-hmm. I, like 60 odd monkeys get killed. I mean, I said that, I mean, that is so laughable because I mean, I understand <laughs> that. But glad you cleared that up, that it didn't went down. Yeah. I don't think so. And I mean, to be fair, though, if it did, they may not be communicating all that well about it, right? I, but I, I don't, I, I mean, yeah. There's no way a hundred people go shoot and I only sixty monkey dead. Like I know the information did wrong. I know fair fucks said the information did wrong. So to glad be fair, it's hmm? It's really hard to shoot monkeys though, to be fair. I mean, I you might shoot one and then the rest of them gone. So how you would shoot um, I don't know. The shooters before used to be apparently really expert at kind of you calling calling them back and yeah, but my knowledge i mean the biggest concern that i have on a personal level with the shooting is to be sure that it is done by trained people and i don't know that that is something that i mean i, I if anybody ever asked me my opinion who's in charge of that i would just make sure that these are trained individuals because if you set people you know into certain areas to go shoot then you have to make sure they're not shooting each other one and mm-hmm. two if you're going to shoot a monkey I know for a fact, if you shoot an animal and you kill it quickly and painlessly, that's one thing. If you shoot it in the leg and it's left to bleed to death, I'm not okay with that. So it needs to be something that is done by people who are really trained and it needs to be super well organized and super well communicated to make sure that nobody's going for a walk in the agricultural area and doesn't know about it, right? So um, I, I do think that the people in charge of this project are keenly aware of those factors and that's part of why it didn't happen already. All right, understand. Um, so before I go, you know, from winding down to the nitty gritty episode, um, <laughs> can you, as an expert in your field and working on the ground and just being like national coordinator of controlling these animals, can you speak of how the future of monkeys in Saint Kitts look? Like what's like what how in the end of this year, December? You understand the idea whole. Round table and uh, go through like what do you see the future of the monkeys being in Saint Kitts and Nevis? Do you think it'll ever be controlled, or is going to require like human and primate like living condition, like 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 how Jamaica have stray dog, enough, mm-hmm. and we have to like learn to live with them, 
Like, is it, is it, is it going to be a situation like that? Or like, great, the population be controlled? It's a great question. I, I think that a lot of the research that we're doing, so what we're doing, our, our goal at the end of this is to create a monkey management strategy so that we have all of the information that's being collected. I'm working with economists so that we do a, a cost benefit analysis. So we're thinking long-term and we're thinking about something that is sustainable, that is extremely important. I mean, it really, I mean, I'm an American working St. Kitts, but even if I were a petition, I think that there's not the best transparency between ministries, government ministries, and even departments, and then people like me that are nested in departments. I'm nested in the Department of Environment with collaboration with the Department of Agriculture, so both ministries. And to be honest, in my opinion, a lot of the future of the monkeys depends on the prioritization at the highest level and what it is that they seek. Right now, this is my own personal opinion, the agricultural community is not being paid the attention that it needs, especially in right now in coronavirus era, we are learning that we cannot be dependent on other people coming to our island to sustain ourselves. We need to be able to feed ourselves. I'm super passionate about boosting agriculture in this country. Wait, wait, wait. Can you repeat? We have a lot of, you know, Jamaicans who listen. Can you repeat that last line? We cannot rely on other people <laughs> coming to our islands. Just Repeat yes. that part as an expert, please. <laughs> we cannot rely on other people coming to our islands to sustain ourselves. We need to be able to be food secure. And St. Kitts, the monkeys are the biggest problem. Obviously, there's organizational issues. We're kind of new to smallholding farming because we've been growing sugar for hundreds of years. So there's lots of things that need to happen. But the fact is that the morale is very low because of the monkeys. The monkeys are symbolic of the fact that farmers are not being prioritized at the highest level. So what I would love to see in the next few years, and I will work hard and try to collaborate with places like the Food and Agriculture Organization, who's keenly aware of the issues that we're facing here, to try to prioritize agriculture. So rather than spend money shooting monkeys willy-nilly all over the place, how about we focus on putting money into protecting pieces of land that we are going to deem agricultural and then we, even if we just feed the monkeys outside of those areas, maybe we use an electric fence, we keep the monkeys around there fed up, and then we see what happens. If their population starts exploding, then we talk about sterilization or control. But we really need to just put our energy into growing food in places where we want to grow food. And then we can maybe in the villages do sterilization, do community outreach, do education, right? But to me, it just comes down to why are we going to kill monkeys? The monkeys obviously have benefit. They're sentient, incredibly intelligent creatures that have survived in a place that they weren't, that they didn't evolve. So I have respect for them, but I also think that things are out of balance. So I would like to see just a shift in attention towards growing food in an agricultural, in, in a country that has lots of monkeys. And if we do that, then that allows us to actually do like a science-based approach growing food where there's lots of monkeys and then we can kind of go from there and see um how to keep proceeding in that area all right understand understand so i love that roundup (laughs) (laughs) definitely appreciate that roundup and i appreciate you coming i know um a lot of persons you know there was a lot of questions asked so all of the yeah you guys got the facts right this is the facts from someone who is underground in St. Kitts and Nevis um as I said before all the notes will be provided on our website so just go to the website please scroll down to the bottom donation page <clears throat> just plug that um for the work that we do the excellent work that we do I must say 
at Tenement Yard Media. We try. But um, thank you, Dr. Dory, for coming on. Um, I hope that you and your family are being safe. We already know that St. Kitts is one of the um the more privileged islands in the way they went about um um doing their policy around coronavirus. So I'm sure, you know, that's <laughs> you are at peace with knowing that there's um limited number of coronavirus cases cancel that for the larger islands um but yeah just hope you're doing safe and hope your research continues um i know mon- mon- we have we do have mongoose mongooses mongoose mongoose or mongooses i think it's both <laughs> Here we go. yes a lot of mongoose in jamaica um a lot too much actually way too much um they were introduced to jamaica during um with slavery to deal with um the 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 other population of like of space that you know scattered and sugar plantations and they just mm-hmm. became a pace so <laughs> i'm sorry that they're you know intruding on your research but i'm sure everything will work <laughs> fine um yeah but thank you so much for coming on um definitely appreciate and i'm sure our listeners appreciate the update and definitely the work that you do um, we will provide Dr. Door um dissertation on our website. So if you're more interested into learning of the work that she does, you know, getting it from an expert. Cause although my trade they just like went viral, it wasn't I know expert here. Like I have no I eat animals. I have no no connection at all between me and animals. Like I don't. I just have a pet lizard, a guy called two, two geckos. I don't other than that, I just don't interact with them with animals at all. But um yeah, so you can get this fuck some expert, right? <laughs> so thank you, Dr. Noor. Um, this is another episode of Chipmate. Um the next hey, episode hey. you probably hear me. You probably not. Um you said anything, Dr. Noor? I just yeah. want to say thank you for having mm-hmm. me and also thank you for your Twitter feed. I somebody tur- turned me on to it as well. I'm not on Twitter very much, but somebody said, Did you see this? And I really appreciate just that you're bringing attention to the issue. So thank you. Yeah, because it's a lot like, and then just hearing about St. Kitts, yeah, here said so there's snails in Antigua mm-hmm. going on doing the same thing. And then I know Cayman have their iguana issue, which is a, their issue is like huge. So I, and then Bahamas are frogs. So it's like, I never know about all these pests. I know Puerto Rico recently had a pig invasion, like, and then we know the famous Venezuela hippos. Thing. So it's like that one thing just opened a whole lot of things. And I just hope that we come more, you know, um, regional in our news and consume more regional news. And we try, you know, we try. As I said before, every Saturday, but I'm going to sit down and watch the other island news, <laughs> right? Because kind of better jamaican news is very 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 depressing like very depressing like mm. it's just wild but you know the other islands they kind of be like all right this whole this met news <laughs> you know so it's more it's more at peace with yourself watching other island news so and i implore everybody try it read up more become more regionalized in the things that you consume you know one caribbean is zimmy one west indies one region so yeah um but thank you again dr door um and thank you for everybody who's listening. I'm just gonna close the episode. You gotta hear the music and we'll go bloop bloop bloop. Yeah, but thank you. Always <laughs> right over my look over here. Yeah. Uh-huh. Judge your best eye with the brightest light. And I shine upon the you them flight. But with their truth and right. They are soft with truth and right. And until the day that my soul takes flight 
Babylon will hear my voice, cause we dare suffer truth and life.